we back on again. <clears throat> this morning we are going to go through, as we talked about last week, the uh, Matthew chapter 24 or 25, verses 31 through 46. We're, we're calling this the first judgment because we are dispensational. We believe that this is the first judgment that takes place. There are many different, different, different dispensationalists. Some believe that there's multiple judgments. Some believe there's two judgments. There are actually some dispensationalists that believe there's only one judgment. And you're going to see why today, probably. Um, some people like to, um, not that we agree with them, but that we can understand there's so many similarities and there are differences between these judgments, um, but we are teaching this as if there are two judgments. Does that make sense? Okay, There are two different judgments. The Bible said in verse 31, 31, but when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. This obviously has to be talking about earth. When He comes in His glory, Christ is not here. He is seated at the right hand of God right now. And eventually, He will come again. That means He will come to this earth again. Amen. And everybody's looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That is what this is talking about. And every time we see a cloud burst of sun behind it, we think, He's coming again! He's coming again! Well, there's a remembrance. Yes, He is. Maybe not at that second, but He is coming again. The next verse says, and all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them from one another. Just like, he, like a shepherd it, uh, separates sheep from goats. That's what it talks about there. We talk, Verse 33 says, and He will put His sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left. Um, then the King will say to those on His right, come you who are blessed of My Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you for before the foundation of from the foundation of the world. And then he talks about I was hungry and I was thirsty. Um, when did I see that? And then we talk. I'm, I'm going through this quickly because we went through all this last week. Okay. Then verse 31. Uh, and then he also says that those on his left. So he's separating them, and then he's sending some into the kingdom, and the others he's taking up and sending them to hell, to eternal damnation. Then He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I think this is so revealing. This hell has been prepared for the devil and his angels. It's almost as if that is a future tense thing. And guess what? It is. It is. So you're going to go to hell before Satan gets there, in other words. And we'll see in the text here how that all works out because it's, I think that's very telling to the text. Again, they go through, oh, I was hungry. And then verse 46, which is the end of this. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we have preached through all of those texts. We are now down to what does that look like? Right? How, how does that all work together? And so this morning, we will be doing that. And we will start with an arrow. 
Can you all see that or is the lights too bright? I think the lights are going to be too bright today. Um, if someone would like to get those. I, I would like these to be turned off, unfortunately. So, this morning, for all of you in, in virtual land and here at home, we are going to be doing this a little bit darker. This is what it's going to look like. And here's why. If you can spend a lot of time on the um, Isaiah, if you could spend a lot of time on the PowerPoint, because that's where we're going to be, and then they don't see the dark face. It looks better anyway. Amen? Alright, so we're going to take a timeline here and we're going to go through all of these things. First of all, we are living in the church age at this moment. The church age began at Pentecost, but we are living in the church age. I am not going to call it a dispensation. I think that's, it's an irrelevant argument. Eventually, we are looking for a time called the tribulation time. There is a time of tribulation. And eventually, there will be a kingdom time. We are not living in the kingdom now as many amillennialists believe and preach. That is not happening right now. If we're in the millennium now, oh my. So, first of all, this is just an overview. Okay, All this is an overview to get you caught up to the big, huge timeline that we're going to have lots of stuff on. So the Holy Spirit came, and when the Holy Spirit came, and it came at what time? Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. That was the beginning of the church age. That's when the church age be began. The church age will end, we believe, at what is called the rapture. The rapture is when the church is gone. And if the church is gone, then there is no church here. Therefore, that's the end of the church age. That is an opinion. There's nothing in Scripture that tells us that. It's just we're, make, we're, we're working it out so we can understand this. Does that make sense? So that, then comes the rapture. The rapture takes away those, and the Bible talks about it in, in Romans chapter three, Revelation chapter three, verse ten. It talks about in First Thessalonians chapter four, the catching up or caught up in the air is the, what it talks about, being caught up in the air. Now here's the difference: the Bible says being caught up in the air in First Thessalonians, and then in Revelation chapter two, verse three, verse ten, it says, God will not. Let you go through the wrath to come. He'll save you from the wrath to come. With those two texts, we believe caught up means to be taken up, right? We believe in a rapture. Those are the two main ones we believe, the reason why we believe that. We will not be in the wrath to come, and we're going to be caught up in the air with the Lord. Jesus does not come to earth at that time. Otherwise, there'd be no need to be caught up. To what? Meet Him in the air, the text says. So we are being caught up together in the clouds with Christ in the air. Those are all believers um, that are alive during that time in the rapture. Alright, that's the rapture. Now, when that rapture happens, against this is conjecture, chaos is going to ensue. And not only chaos because there's missing people, but chaos because the devil will have his heyday and free freedom to do whatever he wants. That tribulation is going to be horrible. God Almighty 
allows Christ to open the seals and open the trumpet and open the bowl or vile judgments. And judgment after judgment after judgment happens. At the middle of the tribulation, something that is called the abomination of desolation happens. That is halfway through the tribulation, what is going to happen is the guy who made a treaty for the world and the world is at peace, but the world is going to hell because of all the, all the judgments, that peace will only last until the midway through the tribulation. Midway through the tribulation, He will break that promise with Israel and He will persecute all those that are saved in the first three and a half years of tribulation and all the Jews that come to a saving knowledge of Christ at that time. He will persecute them, He'll, he'll go after them, and He'll try to annihilate them and kill them all. That's the abomination of desolation. After the abomination, He, he calls Himself God in the temple is what happens. Now, what happens after the abomination of desolation, the Bible says the world has never seen such horrible events, nor will it ever. It is literally called the extreme, I would call it the extreme wrath of God. Now, there are people that believe that during the abomination of desolation, that's when the people are caught up together in the air because the wrath of God is seen even more so at the second half. How many understand that? It's called a pre-wrath rapture view. That's not where we are, but we can understand people that are there. All right? They're still premillennialists. Amen. All right. Then comes the literal second coming of Jesus Christ. At the end of the tribulation comes the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the second coming of Jesus Christ is when Jesus literally steps on the Mount of Olives. He literally comes down. Like our text says, He comes to us, right? He literally comes down. Now, there's an interesting issue here, and I guess I didn't have enough. I'm going to... Uh... All right. So there is during this time, hey, that's a good color. All right. So during that time, there are literally 75 days that are talked about in Daniel. I think it's Ezekiel. And then Revelation talks about 12, 1260. But the point is, there's 75 days extra between the second coming of Jesus Christ and the uh, start of the millennial kingdom. All right? There's 75 days, and because it, one, one, it's 1332 days since the abomination, which is an additional 75 compared to the 1260. How many understand that? All right. So there's these extra days. What are they for? We'll talk about that specifically. That's what we're going to deal with. But. After that, then comes the kingdom. The kingdom then is for how long? A thousand years. Why do we believe it's a thousand years? How do I know the Bible tells me so? Right? Right? That's why. Alright, so a thousand years with the kingdom. Now, 
How many have a general overview? After the kingdom, by the way, it's the great white throne judgment and the eternal state. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem comes down. to the, It seems like to the new earth maybe, but it, it's, there's, it's very hard to decipher through all those things. There are theories and ideas which may be right, may be wrong, but that's the eternal state. We know less about the eternal state than we do about the rest of eschatology. We have chapter 21 that deals with that and gives us some things, but not everything. Alright, so let's work through this. Number one, we have eternity past, right? Then we have, and this is so we get even, we're narrowing down things and putting more things in here. Satan falls. Somewhere after eternity, during eternity past, Satan falls from heaven. He falls before, and that's found in Isaiah chapter 14, 12. He falls before the fall. We know that, right? Because Satan is tempting Eve, which creates the fall. So Satan, Satan falls and then humanity falls in Genesis 3, verses 6 and 7. Then comes the flood. Right? After the flood, that's Genesis chapter 7, verse 6. After the flood, we have a new peoples, a peoples of God. There is a representative in the world who are peoples of God. Genesis chapter 12 tells us God makes a covenant with, if you will, Abraham, i.e. Israel. There becomes a peoples of God which the world has never known before. This is a specific people who will be bringing a blessing to the world. Did they bring a blessing to the world? Yes, they did. And not of their own free choice. Why? Well, you see people like Jonah, the evangelist from Israel, who has no desire to evangelize the world. Or Nineveh. Israel was given the law. Law was given in Exodus chapter 20. We have the first coming of Jesus Christ, which is literally the fulfillment or answer to the law. The law is, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And they're like, well, okay, but we still sin. We still don't do these things. It shows me that I'm a sinner. These are God's principles. They're God's standards. And I'm falling short. What am I supposed to do? Well, Jesus comes. And He's going to answer that. He comes the first time as what? A baby. We find it in Luke 2. We find it in Mark. Um, and, and in the Gospels. Then comes the cross of Jesus Christ and what is called salvation. Amen? Now we have a Redeemer. We have someone who will pay the penalty for our sins. And He did so on the cross. We deserve to pay our own penalty for the sins and that is death and eternal damnation. Jesus Christ fulfilled that. He bore the wrath of God. 
By the way, it's not the wrath of God and it's not paying Satan off. Those are lies and they are absolute heresy. Amen. Jesus Christ bore the wrath of God. He paid God for our sins. John chapter 3. And by the way, do you see John 3.17 is in highlight? Do you see that? Take your Bible and turn there with me if you would. John chapter 3, verse 17. You say, well, everybody goes to John 3.16. Yep, you're right. But let's go to John 3.17. In John chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, For God did not... What did He do? Send... <laughs> Send His Son, right? Send His Son. There's an important word that we'll figure this out later. Um, uh, God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. So at this time, God sends Jesus to save. What's going to happen the next time? He sends His Son. You see that? Alright. The ascension happens. That happens in Acts chapter 1. We see the ascension. And in that ascension, we find, as you see Him going, so is He coming. In the same way. I can't imagine being at the ascension. How many would have loved to be at the ascension? I would have tried my best to grab a hold of them sandals. Right? Take me with you. I don't want to be here. But regardless, the ascension, he is going to descend just as he ascended. This is a literal thing. Amen. The next one is the church. It's like 50 days later. Christ sends the Holy Spirit during Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and we have the start of the church. Does that make sense? All of that happens in one, one, at one moment. We have Peter. And how does he start a church? Oh yes, pastor, he brings in the band. No, 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 no. I know what he does. He, he brings in drama and, 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 and does this and tries to get all these people. That... No, he doesn't do that. Do what he does. He preaches the text of the Word. He exposits the text. Amen? It's all about the preaching of the Word of God. And he does that. 3,000 people are saved. Thousands and thousands afterwards. The Holy Spirit indwells people. Permanently. After that, so this, this is where we are living right here. Okay? By the way, do you know how long this type of a chart takes to make? Whew. <laughs> but here he is. We're in this time at yellow frame right here. We're in here. We're waiting for the rapture to come. The rapture is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. After the rapture comes the tribulation. 
After the tribulation comes the second coming of Christ. After the second coming of Christ, we find a judgment. And amongst other things, which we'll get to. After that judgment, which is found in Matthew 25-32, this is what we are calling the judgment of the nations. Okay, this is the, By the way, if we want to be biblically correct, it is the judgment of the nations. That's the name of it. Like, it's like a shepherd separating sheep from goats, but it is the judgment of the nations that the judgment truly is. And I, don't, I guess I really don't know why dispensationalists want to use sheep and goat. I, I don't understand that. Because sheep and goat, they call it a sheep and goat judgment. I see it, I get it, but that is an analogy to something that took place then. It doesn't make sense to the, to the techies today. Does that make sense? That analogy isn't helpful. Um, but regardless, that's what it is. During, after that judgment, as soon as that judgment ends, the millennial kingdom begins. Because all the unsaved are whisked away into the lake of fire. Eternal fire, it says. Which is the lake of fire. They are some synonymous. It's the one prepared for the devil. Who's not quite there yet. But we're going to see a who else gets thrown in there, and who doesn't get thrown in there? Because when we compare 24 with 20, uh, Matthew 24 with Revelation 20, we're going to see, oh yeah, okay, now I see, oh, got it, got it, yeah. I hope that's what you say. Otherwise, you need to find a new pastor, because I am doing my best. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, deal with this millennial kingdom. After the millennial kingdom, we have another judgment. We call that, because the Bible calls it, the Great White Throne Judgment. That Great White Throne Judgment, we also are going to look at as we discuss it today, and then we will end up... <clears throat> that's in Revelation chapter 20. So you can see, Revelation 20, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, there's a lot of eschatological stuff going on. How many can see that? Even with our, our, our notes here. Then comes the last, which is eternity future how many have an idea of what's going on here we've gone through it twice one really simply one a little bit more exhaustive now if you just threw up that thing it gets a little complex if you do one at a time it's a little easier to follow how many get that all right i think it's because of my add i want to see everything and it just it's too much Again? Yes, we're going to go through it again. <laughs> Alright, what we're dealing with today, I've got you to one section, right? Let's go back to that section. This is the section we're dealing with today. Okay? That is what Matthew 25 is dealing with. That is what Revelation 20 is dealing with. How many got it? It's that time frame. So let's go into it. So, we have, we're going to start with the second coming. When does that happen? After the tribulation. I would say at the end of the tribulation. That's what's important. At the end of the tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, we find that in Matthew 24, Revelation 22, Acts 1, Revelation 1-7. All those are talking about the second. I'm coming again, guys. 
We cannot miss that. Jesus is coming again. Amen? He's coming again. And we have to understand that. And we, we should embrace that. Now, what happens is, right before a trigonometry test, Jesus, please come. God, God's not interested in that. That's a selfish Jesus come back. Jesus come because I want to be with you. That is a correct Christian response. Amen? There is a difference. And by the way, so many times, Lord Jesus, please come right now because there's a war going to happen. There's, there's depravity that's here. Oh, amen to that. Don't owe me for that. But It's all about, I want to be with Jesus. And we will be with Jesus. We're going to be with Him for seven years in heaven. And then we're going to be with Him a thousand years on the earth. And then we're going to be with Him for eternity. So here's the reality. At the moment the rapture happens, we will forever be with Christ. Amen? Amen? Alright. There are 75 days. Where do we get the 75 days? We get them right here. Daniel chapter 12, verses 11-12. through 12. Daniel chapter 9, Revelation chapter 11. In those texts, we see 1,335 days is a half of time of the tribulation compared to the 1,260 days talked about in Revelation 11.3. There's an additional 75 days. That is important because there's a lot of things that happen. We believe, we believe, we believe. How many get that? We believe... I'm not going to be dogmatic, but I believe these things happen during the tribul or during that 75 year, 75 days before the millennium, after the tribulation. 75 days. How many got it? When Christ comes back, what does He come as? How does He come? How many have ever heard of the Battle of Armageddon? Jesus comes at the battle of Armageddon. Remember, the angels come with Him because what do the angels do? Hey, let's go get the birds from all over the world. Why? Because you're going to be able to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of soldiers, the flesh of, of high and potentate friends and kings. Why? Because Jesus Christ is coming on a horse and He's conquering with a sword from His mouth, the Bible says. By the way, how many want to know where the text is? Revelation 19.5 is the text. He's coming with a sword coming out of His mouth that will wipe out all of them. By the way, does a vulture like cooked meal or fresh meal? Say, why in the world do you even bring that up? There's a big deal difference. Christ comes down, mounted on a horse, and he slaughters the, the battle, the people surrounding Jerusalem. He slaughters them with a sword. And he tells his angels to go and bring all the vultures and the birds of prey so they can eat on that flesh. You say, okay, I got that. Well, guess what happens at the end of the millennium? There's another battle. 
we'll see it as we go. How many know what I'm talking about or how many can't wait to hear what I'm talking about? How many are totally confused and think I'm nuts? You're right. That's my wife. But in this, there are texts. So it's not me, it's the Word. God, amen? So the battle of Armageddon happens and he comes with a sword. That's a matter of fact, Josiah himself called me and said, Pastor, I, you have to tell me about these battles. They're different. What's the deal? And we talked about this. This one is a sword. It's important. What else happens during the 75 days? Probably. The judgment of nations. He's got to judge people. Matthew chapter 25 says there's a judgment that happens after the tribulation. And what's going to happen? There's two women grinding in the mill. One is taken, one is left. There are two people out in the field. One is taken, one is left. Oh, that's got to be the rapture. No, it's not the rapture. It's after the rapture. Can't have a rapture after a rapture. Right? This is the tribulation has already happened. It's already talked about it in Matthew chapter 24. All that's taken place. There's going to be a marriage ceremony. There's going to be the bridegroom coming to get the bride. The bridegroom comes down. Amen. But he comes as a conquering king. He takes this battle. He judges the nations. He separates them. And here's what happens. The people that are sent away, that disappear, where do they go according to the text that we preached? Into eternal fire. If they're in eternal fire, they're no longer on the earth. Just saying. Right? They can't be there. So the ones that are taken are taken into judgment. You go to Matthew chapter 13. You go to Matthew chapter, I think it's 7 or 6. I can't remember all the different parables. By the way, Matthew chapter 25 is not, 25 verses 31 through 46 is not a parable. You can go to commentary after commentary and after commentary and they parabolize it to make it th- so they can say what they want it to say. How many get that? Now, there is an example or an allegory in there, an analogy in there. Amen. Sheep and goat. But the whole thing is not a parable. It is directions from God of what's going to happen. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 25, verse 32, we find this judgment. There's something else. During this time, when Jesus comes back, He wipes out the army, but we've got this problem. What problem? The problem that happened in the tribulation. What problem happened in the tribulation? There is something called the beast, and there's something called the false prophet. How many know that? What do you do with the beast and the false prophet? Well, here's what the Bible says. God says He takes them and He throws them into the lake of fire. When does He do that? To be honest with you, this is my opinion. Okay, there's this big sign above my head. Opinion, 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 okay? Because I'm going to say this opinion-wise. I believe, if I can find my marker again, that these guys are doing this. Because beast and the prophet are not found in Matthew chapter 25. All the nations are brought together, including their leaders, who would be what? The beasts and the false prophets. And they, a false prophet, there are two people, 
and they will be thrown into the lake of fire. We'll find that in Revelation chapter 19. We don't find it in Matthew 25. It's more vague, but that's an opinion. Regardless, it's not an opinion that the beast and the false prophet have to be thrown into the lake of fire after Jesus comes back and before the millennium. Not hard. It's not hard. We have to understand this. Then, here's another thing. And I tell you what, this is where amillennialists just cringe and just... Satan is bound. There is a distinction between Satan roaming like a roaring lion, eager to devour who he can, um, trying to hurt the Christians... He is bound. Where do we find that? Revelation chapter 20. Satan is bound. Listen, folks. This is, I think, the weakest point of all amillennialists. Amillennialists believe that we are in the millennium today. In that belief, they have to say that Satan is bound today. And they literally say that Satan was put on a chain, but it's a long chain. The problem is they didn't read the text. When they say that, they're not reading the text because not only is Satan bound with the chain, he's thrown into an abyss and it's sealed. There's no way to get out for how long? thousand years. So that has to be before the millennial kingdom. Amen? So, these are the things that happen in those, I believe, in those 75 days. Why? Because there can't be any unsaved... The millennial kingdom will not start with unsaved people. Number two... There's a judgment that takes place according to Matthew chapter 25. Number three, the beast and the... And this is such a huge argument. I love this. I'm so glad they put this in. Like God did. Right? You follow me? The beast and the false prophets... Well, you don't even... The beast and the false prophet. They are two people during the, during the tribulation that totally messed everybody up. They were leaders, spiritual leader and political leader. Those two are thrown into the lake of fire. Well, that has to happen before the millennial kingdom. But what's interesting is they get thrown in the fire, but Satan doesn't. How many get that? Satan's not thrown in the fire. He's bound and in the abyss. And we will find out from the same text that then he gets loosed after a thousand years. So you can't... I, I think it's pretty simple, actually. Then comes in the thousand year reign of Christ. Where have we heard about this millennial kingdom? Well, here's a few texts that might help you. How many understand that I'm trying to be a little... There are plenty of texts. I will tell you, Revelation chapter 20 nails it. Just nails it. After the millennial kingdom comes, Satan is loosed. How do we know Satan is loosed? Because Revelation chapter 20. 
How many see how important Revelation chapter 20 is? Alright? After, what does Satan loose? What happens? I mean, he's loosed. Jesus Christ is ruling with a rod of iron from His throne in Jerusalem on this earth. The nations have been following Him. Now what? Well, guess what? There is called the final battle. And in the final battle from heaven, according to the text, the final battle in Revelation chapter 20, verse 9, is where fire comes from heaven and devours them. Okay, so here's the issue. This is why I believe there are two judgments. If the fire devours from heaven, devours the final battle guys, what's left for the birds to eat? Why would Jesus tell the angels to go, go feast on the food that I'm going to prepare for you because I'm going to go out and slaughter them with a sword in the first judgment, by the first judgment? Do you see that? But here, here are the second one, the second war, we have fire coming down and annihilating them. Obviously, there's two battles. There has to be. It's To be honest with you, if you're going to read the Bible as it is written, there has to be two battles. And I wouldn't even argue that if you're going to read the Bible as it's written, you're going to have to come up with two judgments also. Although there are similarities. After the final battle comes the great white throne judgment. Are you kidding me? Do you see what time it is? Revelation chapter 20. Would you just, someone just take their sidearm out and blow that clock out of the wall? <sighs> All right. And then in eternity, we'll have a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, and it's eternity forever. Great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Now, to be fair, there is similarities between this and this. One of them, they're both judgments. There are similarities between this and this. One of them, they're both battles. There's similarities between this and this. Satan's bound, Satan's loose. Talking about Satan. But there are so many distinctives that they have to be different. They should not be conflated. They can't be. Amillennialists have to take the thousand years that are talked about in Revelation 20 and say, well, now it's like 2,000 because we're, we've been alive 2,000. So their theology changes as the dates grow. The Bible says six or seven times in Revelation 20 that it is a thousand years. Who am I to change that? To fit my theology? My theology should change to fit the text. Does that make sense? It's important. So, we're dealing primarily with this morning the judgments. And I've gotten you all the way here, and it's 20 minutes too. 
Let's look at the comparison. The judgment of the nations, the timing is after the tribulation. The great white throne judgment, I'm going to argue that the timing is after the millennium. That's the difference. The timing is different. By the way, uh, Andrew, the printer has like 35 pages, one for each family, and you can grab more, okay? If you could hand those out, that would be great. I'm going to give you Michael Vlock's comparison between these two, and we're going through that right now, but um, I'm going to be more, a little bit more open than Michael is, but I want you to have his information. It's important. The purpose. Why was the judgment on the nation? The purpose is so that Jesus Christ starts with a pure kingdom. Amen. A kingdom that's absolutely pure. 100% saved. Does that change? Yes, it does. Why? Babies are born. Satan at the end is loosed to bring the born babies that, that hated Christ and they form an army. That's what happens. So the time, that's the purpose. The purpose of this is to enter hell or heaven. Now, here's the reality. The purpose in the judgment of the nations, God sends people to hell. The lake of fire. He sends them there. So there's similarities there. Now, He doesn't send the people, I don't believe, to heaven. He sends them to the kingdom. Different. Kingdom on earth. Okay, That's the only difference in this. So the purposes, I think, are very similar. How many, under, how many are following this? The subjects in the text, now we have to be very careful to what I say because I'm going to be very distinct and direct. During the judgment of the nations, the subjects are believers and unbelievers. The believers go into the kingdom. The unbelievers go to hell. Eternal damnation. Lake of fire. There's no question the text says that over and over again. In the great white throne judgment, in the great white throne judgment, the only ones mentioned are the unbelievers. We will see that. That's the only ones, the only ones that are talked about are the unbelievers, except for, and I'm going to make an exception here, because the Bible does. At the end of the discussion of the great white throne judgment, it says, if you're not found in the book of life, then the lake of fire. How many understand that? There's an if there. And I looked in the, in the, in the Greek, and that if is in the Greek. It's not a mistake. It's not added. How many get this? If someone says if... What does that mean? What's that? Yeah, okay, so if gives us pause at bare minimum to say this could be both believers and unbelievers because if they're found in the book, where do they go? Where? Heaven. If they're not which is what the text says, they go to hell. If the judgment is just unbelievers, why would the if be there? How many, how many get that? 
I'm being specific. I'm not trying to argue any way. I'm being specific. The if is there. And it needs to be dealt with. That's why I have it in quotes. Generally speaking, kingdom and un- our believers and unbelievers are definitely talked about in the judgment of nations. Great white throne judgment, all they say specifically is unbelievers. But there's an if at the end of it, and that's, that should make us pause. Bases. The bases, we already talked about this. It's how these people treated the brothers, right? We dealt with this last week. You know, you, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. It's how you treated, treated one of the, even the least of my, bro- <coughs> of my brothers. What those brothers are, we discussed that last week. I am not going to reiterate that. <clears throat> the great white throne judgment based on works. Why is that? I think Revelation or Romans chapter, I'm going to say 6 through 9, talks about this. If you're going to live by the law, then you're going to die by the law. So, that, my friend, that tells me I don't want anything to do with a God that says I don't have to work my way to heaven. He can't work his way to heaven. And he's going to find out there that his works were not good enough. Because works are never good enough. The only work that's good enough is Christ's work on the cross. Apart from that, there is no salvation. So the judgment of the nations does not talk about any resurrected people. It seems as though the only people there are the ones that went through the tribulation and came out alive. And it's all of them. The great white throne judgment includes resurrected people. The Bible talks about, and by the way, it's it's pretty cool because they're going to talk about the first resurrection and the second resurrection. So there's resurrections that take part around these times. But it includes the resurrection. Matter of fact, I would say a lot of them are the resurrected. They come from the sea, they come from the abyss, they come from all over to be judged and then thrown into hell. Eternal fire. In the judgment of the nations, there's no book of life. It's not there. Not mentioned at all. In the great white throne judgment, the book of life is opened. Why? To see if their name is there. That's why this is an important truth. Judgments, there is eternal fire... The lake of fire. Are those different? They use different terms, but I don't think they're different. I think they're synonymous. Because here, yeah, and we'll get into that. So what happens? The first resurrection, and they call it the first resurrection, reigns. How, How many see this as important? The first resurrection, during the judgment of the nation, the first resurrection reigns with Christ. The second resurrection, judgment. And it's called the second resurrection. How many understand that? So 
there's a reason God made these first and second. I, I think that's important. I hope you do. All right. Another distinction. The judgment of the nations is clearly on earth. I mean, there's no argument about that. By the way, this is why Amalekites have a hard time dealing with this. This is why I'm trying to do a whole project on the term, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember that term. It's because they believe that Jesus comes back just to do this. The, so what they believe is the judgment of nations equals the judgment, great white throne judgment, and all the God's going to do is judge. That's all He's going to do. He's not going to reign. He's going to judge, and then we go into the eternal state. How many understand what they're saying? I'm not saying you agree with them. That's what they believe. Here's the issue though. When Jesus says, you're going to say, blessed is He who comes in... Who's going to say, praise the Lord, judgment's here? Right? No way are they going to say that. There's got to be something else. By the way, he says, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord three times in the Gospels. Regardless, the judgment of a nation happens on earth. This judgment, let's just say, we're not sure where it happens. Again, my opinion, my opinion is that this happens, I don't think it happens on earth, personally. But that's an opinion. Uh, Vlock is going to uh, argue differently, and that's okay. He can be wrong. <laughs> I'm kidding. He might be right. I don't know. But, the judgment, the judgment of the nations is absolutely positively for sure on this earth. Why? Because Christ comes, the term says. Right? He comes. Alright, so there's the comparison. Now, let's get into the text. We have all of 15 minutes. How many, how many understand, how, was that helpful for you to see everything in line here? And the verses, by the way, those verses are online now. You can go and look them up yourself. I mean, study them for yourself. Matthew 25 and Revelation 19. I have this. I know it's hard to see where you're at, but it's easy for the people at home to see. And hopefully, if you are sitting in the back and can't see, stop being a back row guy or lady. All right, I'm being sarcastic. Kind of. <laughs> All right, here we go. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Go to Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open, and I behold a white horse, and He who sat on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness He judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, His head of many... <clears throat> diadems, and he has a name written in which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with, with a robe dipped in blood. <clears throat> His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. 
from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that it, with it he might strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe, and on his robe, and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in the midheaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God. What's he talking about? So that you will eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of commanders, the flesh of the mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, small and great. Do you see why there has to be two wars? There has to be. This goes inside, it coincides with Matthew 25. These are synonymous. <coughs> This comes in glory. Now I need a different color. That's to hate, help to hate, yeah. Sorry, it's to help AJ out way back there. This word, this term comes in glory is, is exploded and expanded in definition in Revelation 19. How many see that? Listen, Jesus doesn't come three times or four, or five, twice. And He's already come once, right? So he ha this has to be equal. This has to be happening. These birds are coming to eat the flesh of kings. Why? Because Christ is going to kill them with a sword. Not a ball of fire from heaven that consumes them. How many get this? I mean, well, well duh. Well, that's my point. Verse 19 is also helpful. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast. Okay, who receives the mark of the beast? When does that happen? It has to be. Do you see the issues here? It has to be after tribulation. <clears throat> By which he deceived those who had the mark of the beast, those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. The lake of fire. If that is equated with eternal fire, which I think it is, it's at the, it's the same time. It's after the tribulation, before the millennium. How, where else can you put that? Are you following this? Alright. And the rest were killed with the what? The rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of Him who sat on the throne and all the birds will were filled with their flesh. As I said, do eagles and uh, vultures, they like their meat 
fresh, not cooked. And, and it's just so simple. It's obviously seen, right? By the way, you can also read it here. Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. This is the same thing as this. Same thing. Same time frame. Now, could it be that the beasts and the false prophet were thrown in the fire the day before the judgment of the nations? It could be. But I will tell you, it's within those 75 days. All right. Are you, how many are excited about this stuff? Are you learning things? All right. There's more. There's much more. And for that, I have to get out of here because I'm going to go live with something that's helpful. All right. So, by the way, Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Yeah, I can't do that. That's not PowerPoint. Oops. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I can do this way. This I can do. The Marriage Supper of the Lamb. If this is chronological, and I believe it to be, it then must come before when? Oh yeah, that would help. The coming of Christ. Do you see how that works? Some people believe that the marriage supper of the land happens when He comes back on this earth. I believe it happens in heaven with the bride of Christ while we're in heaven and they're in tribulation. It, it really, there are arguments both ways. The point is, if this is chronological, it makes sense here. All right, but that was beside, that's a free one. Um, you don't have to pay for that. And I saw the heavens open, and behold, we already read that. Doom of the beast of the false prophet, we get that. Okay, now what about the millennial kingdom? So, this is where things get a little different. And I would say they're not as black and white as we want them to be. Then I saw an angel come down from heaven holding the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And, and by the way, then I saw, I, this is chronological, that he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So he throws the beast and <clears throat> the false prophet and the unbelievers into the lake of fire that was made for the devil, but he takes the devil and he puts him somewhere else for a while. There has to be... How many get this? You have to deal with that. You can't just throw it up and say it all comes together. It's almost worse than Darwinism. Okay, and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until, what? Thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. So he's saying there is going to be a time frame when Satan is bound. That's the problem with amillennialism. The only time that can be is right now. 
And I saw the throne and they that sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls who had been beheaded. Where, who, where were they beheaded? Tribulation. Because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the Word of God. And those who were, had not wor- <coughs> worshipped the beast or the image. He's being very specific here. These guys <coughs> who went through the tribulation, these are going to reign with Him for a thousand years. They came to life. Look at that text. They had not received the mark on the forehead and on the hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. <clears throat> this is, look at this, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is He is the one who has part of this first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with Him a thousand years. Then the thousand years are completed. This is absolutely chronological. When the thousand years were completed, Satan will be released from prison. See, all the unbelievers through the tribulation that are alive and the beast, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to make this emphatic, <clears throat> and the false prophets, they're in the lake of fire. Prepared for the devil. So the, the purpose of the lake of fire hasn't even come to fruition yet. But they're there. And then after a thousand years, Satan's going to get released. And he will come out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And then what happened? Verse 9. Fire came down and what? Devoured them. Fire came down and devoured them. Here is what they would have to say. Well, you see, the angels, remember, told the birds, so the birds are the fire. Do you see how they can get there? I'm not saying they're right. I just You can see where they get it, but they only get it because they had a theology that demanded they get it that way. Correct? If you have two judgments, there's no need to change anything. If you have one judgment, you have to analogize a lot of things. How many get this? <clears throat> and they came together. Fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who had deceived them was then what? Thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone. Where what? The beast and the prophets are also. Imagine that. I mean, it's, it's. How many say this is pretty simple? And they were tormented day and night forever. Now, we have no minutes to do the great white throne judgment. It's nothing. Here we go. We're not listening to the clock for a second, all right? We've got to finish this. Amen? Oh. 
Oh no! I am so sorry. I thought you were following me. <clears throat> Let's get rid of that. It won't let me get rid of it. Try this. Close all windows. <laughs> ah, bummer. You should be seeing what I'm seeing. I, this is, I love in this. <laughs> and you're like, oh, come on. Why will not? Oh, keep your annotations. Let's go there. It won't even bring it up right now. Oh. I don't want to keep, I want to discard. And I don't know how to do it. I can't even see where it's at. That's the problem. Okay. Can you go open your Bibles? Because I can't even do my screen. It doesn't do anything right now. <sighs> Where's an IT guy when I need him? I can't bring up anything. I don't want to do that. <laughs> How about I open my real Bible? How many are how many have seen now this what we talked about it's all written out here All right Revelation chapter 20 Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it <clears throat> From whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found in them for them and I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne. There's the resurrected people, right? <clears throat> and books were opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and Hades gave up their dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of the life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. All right. So, do we all see what's going on in that text? 
Is there any mention of believers in that text? No, they are not. Is there any mention of the book of life? And in that mention, is there if anyone's name was written, not found in there? What, what's going on there? Can you, can you picture this? I'm picturing this, and I'm picturing literally the book's opened, and is your name in here? No. Fire, hell, fire, hell, fire, hell. What if their name is in there? Heaven. I mean, that's, that's the what's not being said, but it's being said. How many get that? It, it's, it's Those that are in the book of life are going into what? Heaven. Eternal glory. And those that are not found are going into hell. Is that a true statement? Alright. He's already done that for the kingdom. Has he not? Was he separating the saved from the unsaved? Yes. And the saved go into the kingdom. There are babies born in the kingdom. Some of them are saved. Some of them are not saved. Although their ancestors were brought into the kingdom during that judgment, they have not been brought into the kingdom except they were born into it, into heaven. They're, they're they weren't there at the sheep goats, right? But they're still separated. They're still separated. They go into hell or they go into heaven, depending if they're saved or unsaved during the kingdom time. Does that make sense? There's no question. Now, the issue is, does the text say that? The only thing that it says is if anyone's name was not found written in the text. And my mind thinks of a judge sitting there reading the book saying no, yes, no, yes. That's all that is. Does that make sense? Alright. So, here's the reality. Why is that important? Number one, we can understand why some people see the similarities between the judgment seat and the great white throne. Are there similarities? Yes. Are there differences? Yes. I believe there's two judgments. I think the Bible's clear, but that's my opinion. There are other people that disagree with that. There are dispensationalists who disagree with that. <clears throat> they believe there's only one judgment. Why does all that matter? Let me ask you this. Will all humanity face Christ the judge? Yes or no? Yeah. All of us will face Christ. All of those that were through the millenn or through the tribute, they face Christ there. Will they face him at the great white throne? Well, I will tell you there's no reason for the Christians to face Him there. Is there? No. What about the ones that were in the Millennial Kingdom? They're the only ones who haven't. All the rest of them have. They're the only ones that haven't. So the issue is this. We must understand that because that there is so many similarities, yet there are so many distinctions 
we have to be careful how we judge one another and be mature about it. How many understand that? Listen, we can disagree on some of these things. And it doesn't matter. We can agree on some things. There are things we can't agree on. We can't disagree on. What are those? We're saved by grace, through faith, alone, in Christ alone. Can't, we, can't, we can't have fellowship with someone that does, disagrees with that. There are going to be hills to die on. Eschatology should not be a hill to die on in this time frame. Because we're trying to understand God, but we don't know all the things exactly. When he gets into chapter 21, and we go to some of the passages in Ezekiel, it's crazy what he's talking about. We have no idea what he's talking I mean, maybe, I don't know. Here's the reality. Every single person that has ever lived or will ever live on this earth will see and meet God face to face. And we will be judged what we have done with Christ. Every one of us will be judged. Did you believe? Enter thou into the rest. Did you believe? No. Eternal fire. Every person will face that judgment. Where are you at today? Are you ready? It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Eternal life is at stake. Not just 70 years of a vapor life. Do you truly know Jesus? If you don't, eternal lake of fire awaits. Depart from me. I never knew you. I don't want to hear that. But most people will. We must be about the business of sharing who Jesus is, what He has done, and what God's going to do at the end. Amen? Amen. Mr. Zarin, if you'll come and close in a word of prayer, please. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your, your word. Father, we realize that judgment is coming. But really, for the Christian, it should not instill in us any kind of fear because we do have nothing to fear from these judgments or what we have done for Christ. But Father, it should instill us a sense of urgency on behalf of this world that is lost and dying and going to hell. Father, we need to be about our Father's business telling others about this. Help us, Father, to fulfill that mission this week in Jesus' name. Amen.